Shalom to all. Today's office is Darb Naflamid Aleph. We are starting at the very top of the daf with the brand new Mishnah. And today's office sponsor Lili Nishmas, Mars, Miriam, Sarah, Basar, Yaakov, Moshe, Her Nishama, Shadav, and Aliyah. And Lili Nishmas, Rabbi Yasef, Yantif, Ben Rabbi Asher, Anchol, his Nishama, Shadav, and Aliyah. And the Mishnah continues. Hanoidar Mishai, Say Shabbos. Someone that made a nether that he's not going to benefit from resters on Shabbos. Asher, Rabbi Yisrael, Asher, Bakusim. He's not going to have enough from Yisraelim or from Kusim. If he says, I'm not going to have benefit from those that eat garlic. This is referring to eating garlic Friday night. Asher, Rabbi Yisrael, Asher, Bakusim. He's not going to benefit from Yisraelim. Or from Kusim. But let's say he says, I'm not going to benefit from those that go up to Yushalayim. This is referring to being Eila Regel. He's not allowed to have benefit from Yidin, but he is allowed to have benefit from Kusim. The Gemara asks, say Shabbos. What exactly are Shabbos resters? Elim, if you want to say, Shabbos, from people that keep Shabbos, my area Bakusim. Why is it the Mishnah specifies that he's not allowed to have benefit from Kusim? Even from Gaim, he should not allow to have Hana. They decide to keep the laws of Shabbos, so he should also not be allowed to have benefit from them. They're considered Shabbos resters. So the Gemara says, no, El Shabbos. It must be that we're talking about people that are commanded to keep Shabbos. According to this Mishnah, it must be the Kusim are considered like proper Gerim and they have a Chiyav to keep Shabbos. So therefore, he's only not allowed to have benefit from Yidin and from Kusim, but there's no problem having benefit from Gayim, even though they keep Shabbos. Think about it, if that's so, Ema Seifa, what about the end of the Mishnah? May El Yerushalayim, if he says he's not going to have benefit from those that go up to Yerushalayim, Asur Yisrael, and Kusim. He's not allowed to benefit from Yidin, but he is allowed to have benefit from Kusim. But am I, why is that? They're commanded to be Eilaregel. Why should he be allowed to have benefit from Kusim. He answers, We're talking about people in the Mishnah that are commanded to do this and they actually do this mitzvah. In the first two cases of the Mishnah, we're talking about people that keep Shabbos and that eat garlic on Shabbos. Yisrael v'kusim mitzvahin. Both Yidin and Kusim are commanded to do so. V'aisin, and they both do so. Kusim keep Shabbos and they eat garlic on Friday night. But in regards to non-Jews, those that keep Shabbos and that eat garlic Friday night, they might do so, but they're not commanded to do so. And Yerushalayim, in regards to those that go up to Yerushalayim, Yisrael, Metsuvin, Va'isin, regular Yidin, they're commanded to be Eile Regel, and they do so. Kusim and Metsuvin, Kusim are commanded to be Eile Regel, but Ve'inam Oisin, they don't actually go up to be Eile Regel, so therefore his nether doesn't include Kusim. And the Mishnah continues, the fellow says, Kainam she'ini nenel b'nei noyach. Kainam, I'm not going to benefit from b'nei noyach. Motor Yisrael, he's allowed to have benefit from Yisraelim, from Yidin, but also by the Chavim, he's not allowed to have benefit from non-Jews. The Gemara asks, Yisrael, Minafik, Michal, b'nei noyach, as a regular Yid, not considered from the b'nei noyach. Everyone comes from noyach, so how could we say that Yidin are excluded from his nether? The Gemara answers, Kivan to Iktish Avram, since Avram Ravinu was sanctified, Iskru al Shmei, so we're called based off of his name, we're called b'nei Avram, we're not called b'nei noyach anymore. The Mishnah continues, let's say a fellow says, She'ini nenel Avram, I'm not going to benefit from the offspring of Avram, Asr Yisrael, Umotar of the Kachavim, he's not allowed to have benefit from Yidin, but he is allowed to have benefit from Gayim. The Gemara asks, Vaika Yishmael, what about Yishmael? Yishmael is one of the offspring of Avram, why should a person be allowed to have benefit from a Muslim? So my answer is, The Pazak says that Hashem told Avram Avinu, it's with Yitzchak that you're going to be considered to have an offspring. Yishmael is not Yitzchak, so therefore Yishmael is not considered the offspring of Avram. Ask the Gemara of Ika Esav, what about Esav? Esav is the offspring of Yitzchak, so Bnei Esav should be included in his nether. The Gemara answers, no, the Pazak tells us, big Yitzchak, in Yitzchak, what they call Yitzchak, not all of Yitzchak, not all offspring of Yitzchak are included in this, Kibi Yitzchak Yikari Chazara, and Esav is excluded from that. And then she continues, let's say a fellow says, She'ini nenemi Yisrael, I'm not going to have benefit from Yisrael, I'm not going to have benefit from Yidin. When he's involved in a business transaction with a Yid, he has to buy for more expensive and he has to sell for less expensive. So this way he doesn't have benefit. Let's say he says, She'israel nenemi, that a Yisrael, a Yid, is not allowed to benefit from me. So when they're involved in a business transaction, 
He has to buy for less and sell for more. The Mishnah tells us that no one's going to listen to him because why would someone want to do that? Let's say the fellow says, They're not allowed to benefit from me and I'm not allowed to benefit from them. So then, He could benefit of the Kachavim, which means he's allowed to do business with the Gayim, but he's not allowed to do business with the Yedin. So the Gemara says, Amar Shmuel Shmuel tells us how someone that takes a Kli from a craftsman and he takes his Kli Levakra in order to check it out. And some unis happens when he has it. He's chayv to pay for this item. So over here it's mashma that he was actually using the item. He wasn't just holding it and looking at it. It's not like he was browsing through the store and he picked up this item and he looked at it and then it fell from his hands and broke. He was at Staples checking out a pencil sharpener and broke it trying to sharpen his pencil. So his memory from Shmuel tells us that he has to pay for that item. And this touches on the sugi of Shimrim. If Ruven watches an item for Shimon for free, he's a Shimer Chinum and he's not chayv if something happens to the item. Let's say he gets paid for watching it, he's a Shimer Sacher, he has a little bit more responsibility. Now a Shail, a borrower, has a most responsibility. That's because he derives all the benefit from the item and the lender derives none. And this case is very similar as the Gemara says, Alma, we see from here, that Shmuel holds, Hanas that the benefit in the course of a transaction is all to Lekeach, similar to a Shail, where we say, Kol shalai, he's the one deriving all the benefit. So in dealing with a potential buyer like this guy, clearly we hold, Kol shalai, all the benefit is to the buyer. So now based off of that, the Gemara asks, Tenan, our Mishnah says, Yisrael, a guy who says, I'm not going to benefit from a Yid. He has to sell an item for less. Now, what's that mashma? He's not allowed to sell it for fair market value. But here's the question. If you're going to tell me that when there's a transaction, all the hana derived from that transaction is considered to be had by the leikach, by the buyer, so he should even be able to sell the item for fair market value because he, the seller, is not having any hana from it. So according to Shmuel, why would he not be allowed to sell it for fair market value? So the answer is no. Our mission is talking about a sale which is Rami al ape. Now, literally, this means that the sale lies on his face. And there's actually a Hebrew expression, al hapanim, which means terrible or disastrous. How is the food? Ah, al hapanim, it was terrible. How is your meeting? Ah, oh, al hapanim, it was disastrous. So the item being discussed over here is al hapanim. It's not a desirable item, and therefore it's not easy to sell. So even if he sells it at fair market value, the seller is benefiting from that sale, not the buyer. The only way for him not to be considered benefiting is if he sells it for less. The Gemara Sam if that's really so, Amoresha, what about the beginning of the first part of the Mishnah? We said that he has to buy for more. Well, if we're talking about buying an item, which is ala panim, it's not easy to sell. So even if he buys it for fair market value, he's not really gaining. Really, the seller is gaining, not the buyer. So why would the Rish of the Mishnah tell us that this fellow has to buy it for higher than its regular price? But furthermore, Amos Seifa, what about the Seifa of the Mishnah? When he says, the Yiddin are not allowed to have benefit from me. What do we say over there? He has to buy it for less and sell for more. But if we're talking about an item which is difficult to sell, he should even be able to sell it for its fair market value because the buyer is not considered to be gaining over there. So where it says no, Seifa The Seifa is talking about a very sharp item, which means a hot item, an item which is selling really fast. And that's something that if it sells for fair market value is actually a benefit to the buyer and not to the seller. The Gemara asks, if that's really so, like why is it that when Ruvain buys an item from someone who's not allowed to have benefit from him, he has to buy that item for less than its value. 
so that the seller doesn't get hana from him. He should even be able to buy it for fair market value because if he's buying Ozvina Kharifa for fair market value, the seller is the one losing out. So in this case, he should not have to buy it for less than its value. So where says you're right, on the top, Armish is talking about an average item and in the case of an average item for sale, the one selling it and the one buying it both derive some element of benefit. With the Shmuel, Shmuel's case is Bezvina Kharifa with something which is a hot item, it's an item which sells quickly, and therefore there's no question for our Mishnah on Shmuel's halacha. Now, we have a brass just like Shmuel. A person takes Kalim from the craftsman and he sends them to his father-in-law's house. And he tells the craftsman, If he takes them from me, he accepts them. I'll pay you for them. But if he doesn't want to take them and I have to return them to you, so then I'm going to give them back to you and I'm going to pay you based off of the Tavas Hana, meaning I'm going to pay you based off of the benefit that I had that I was able to have these items for a little bit. What type of benefit does he have? So say, for example, you know your father-in-law likes kitchen knives, chopping knives, paring knives, butcher knives, all sorts of kitchen weaponry. So when you see something nice, you send it to him. Now, if he doesn't like it, he sends it back. But the benefit is that he sees that you care for him when you send these things. So whatever the benefit is worth, you're going to pay the craftsman for that. So the Barasa tells us, Nensu, if an Oynas happened to these Kalim, Bahalicha, if they happened on the way to the father-in-law, Chayev, the son-in-law is Chayev to pay for them. Bahazara, but if that Oynas happened on the way back from the father-in-law's house, Potter, he's Potter from paying. Why is that? That's because he's like a Shimer Sachar. When the item is on the way to the father-in-law, so the son-in-law is deriving a real benefit from it, and he's considered a Shail, that Kol Shaloi, and therefore he would have to pay for anything that happens to it. However, when they're on the way back from the father-in-law, clearly the father-in-law doesn't want it anymore, so now the son-in-law is not a Shail anymore, we don't say that it's Kol Shaloi, we say he's like a Shimer Sachar, and therefore he does not take responsibility for these items if something happens to them. And in a similar case, there was a middleman, he took a donkey in order to sell it. He's a middleman, so he takes the donkey from the owner and he brings it around to different people trying to sell it. But he wasn't able to sell it. Now, when he was on his way back to the owner of the donkey to give it back to him because he couldn't sell it, something happened to this donkey. It stepped on a landmine. It's not here anymore. He can't give it back. But now, what do you mean? We had just said in the Brasa previously, if an oinus happened when the Kalim were on the way to the father-in-law, Chayiv, so the fellow's Chayiv, but Bechazar, if they're on the way back from the father-in-law, Potter, so he's Potter, and this donkey was on the way back to its owner, so why is his middleman Chayiv? So Amr Leir of Nachman told him, Chazar desafsira hoylachahi, when this middleman is bringing the donkey back, that's as if he's bringing it to a prospective buyer. Why is that? The ilu mishkach because if he finds someone to buy it, even if he's on the threshold of the owner's house, Milam Hizbenleh, wouldn't he sell it to him? This middleman is always looking to sell the donkey, so even though he's busy walking down the street and he's almost at the owner's house, he's about to knock on his door. Someone runs up to him and says, hey, is that donkey for sale? Yeah, it's for sale. Of course he would sell it to him, even though he's just about to return it. So this donkey is always considered to be in a state of halacha, being brought to sell. Therefore, this afsi or this middleman would always be chayev. And the question continues, This fellow says, any benefit that I get from a person who's an arel, he's allowed to have benefit from Yidin, even if they don't have a bris milah, and he's not allowed to have benefit from Gayim, even if they have a circumcision. Let's say he says, the benefit that I get from those that have a bris milah, he's not allowed to have benefit from Yidin, even if they're nishgemalad, even if they don't have a 
bris mila, and he's allowed to have benefit from Gayim even if they do have a circumcision. Now, why is this? The word Arla is meant to describe a guy. A guy is called an Arel. It doesn't make a difference if he has a circumcision or not. And a Yid is someone who's called Gemalid, that he has a Mila, even if he happens not to have a Mila. Now, how do we know this about Gayim Shinamar? Because it says in the Pasuk, All Gayim are Arelim. All Yidin are Arele Lev, meaning their heart is uncircumcised, but they themselves are considered Mulim. And for Aymer, we have another Pasuk that says, David Amelech said about Goliath that he's an Arel. How does he know Goliath was an Arel? Maybe he had a circumcision. It must be that a guy is called an Arel. Vaimer, another Pasuk says, Perhaps the daughters of the Arelim are going to be very rejoiceful. Now again, this is referring to the daughters of the Plishtim. Who says all the Plishtim don't have Milas? Maybe they do have circumcisions. Again, the answer is, is that a guy is considered an Arel. Now, he says, The Arla is most. It's repulsive. Because the way that we despise Rishayim is by calling them Arelim. Shinemar says in the Pasuk, Kichal Hagayim Arelim. Now Rishmolaimer, he says, Gedayla Mila Mila is great. Shenechesu Allah Shleshes Arbisais, because there were 13 Brisais, 13 covenants that were made in regards to Mila. It says the word Bris 13 times when discussing Mila in the Pasuk. Rabbi Yasiyamer, he says, Gedayla Mila, Shadachas Hashabbos Chamura. Mila is great because it pushes away Shabbos, which is Chamur. We know Shabbos is very Chamur. We're not allowed to be Machal Shabbos by making a wound on someone, but a Bris Mila happens on Shabbos. Rabbi Shum and Karchaimer, he says, Gedayla Mila Mila is great. The Maisha Rabbeinu wasn't even given one hour of respite, one hour of space, due to not giving his son a bris mila, which we're going to see about in the Gemara. It pushes away Nagayim. We know that if a person has a negat saras on their skin, there's an isra to cut it off. If there's a negat saras on the makam hamila, we cut it off. Rabbi says, Mila is great because of all the mitzvahs that Avram Ravinu did, he still wasn't called complete until he had his bris mila. Shinamar says in the Pasuk, his halech lefanai v'yeh tamim, walk in front of me and be tamim, be complete, and that's in regards to mitzvah mila. Davrach, another understanding, g'day l'mila, she'omalehi, if not for mila, lo'y barkash barkos ha'ilamai, Hashem wouldn't have created the world. Shinamar says in the Pasuk, k'yamai Hashem, so says Hashem, im lo'y brisi yom v'layla, if not for my bris day and night, chukas shemayim v'aretz lo'y samti, I would not have placed the chukas of shemayim in aretz. We understand this Pasuk to mean that if not for my bris, meaning bris mila, then I wouldn't even have made Shemaim and Aretz. And now expanding on the story of Moshe Rabbeinu, Tanya Reb Shum he says, G'dayla Mila, Mila is great. Shekal Zechiyot, She'asa Moshe Rabbeinu, Loi Amdu Laik, Amila. All the merits that Moshe Rabbeinu had did not stand for him when he was weak with the mitzvah of Mila, as we had said that he didn't give a bris Mila to his second son, Eliezer. Shenemrit says in the Pasuk, Vayiv Kesheyu Hashem, Vayiv Hamisoi. Hashem encountered him and wanted to kill him because he didn't give his son a bris Mila. Now Amr Rebbe, he tells us, Chas Hashem, Shemoshe Rabbeinu, Nisrashal Amila. Chas Hashem to say that Moshe Rabbeinu was weak and he didn't care about the mitzvah of Mila. Elakach Amar, this is what Moshe Rabbeinu's chashbin was, why he didn't give his son a bris Mila. Emolva Eitze, should I give him a bris Mila now and then leave on my way back to Mitzrayim? Sakonahi, that's a big danger to the child. Shinemar the Pasuk says, was on the third day and they were hurting. This has to do with Shimon Levi wiping out Shechem. They waited for the third day after the Mila because that's the day that the person is the weakest and it would be a danger to the child for him to be traveling on the road on his third day after Mila. And Moshe Rabbeinu continued his chashbin, Emolva Eshesh Leshayamim, should I give him a bris Mila? And wait three days, but Hashem told me I have to go back to Mitzrayim, which means I have to leave right now. So Mashabenu wasn't Nisrashal and Mila. So the Gemara asks, So why is Mashabenu punished for not giving his son a bris Mila? 
on the top of the Gemara answers, That's because he dealt with his lodgings, with his hotel first. Shanamar the Pasuk says, It was on the way at his lodgings. Now, he was still on the way, but he was close enough to Mitzrayim that it wouldn't have been a danger to give his son a bris milah, so he should have first given him a bris and then went to go look for a hotel. Since he went to look for a hotel first, that's why he was punished. Now, Rashim Gamlil, Rashim Gamlil says, It wasn't that the Satan wanted to kill Mesh Rabbeinu, the Satan wanted to kill the child. Shanamar says in the Pasuk, this is what Sipira said after she gave her son a bris milah, You are a chasan of blood to me. Say, hey, go out and see. Mikari chasan, who could possibly be called a chasan over here? The child is being called a chasan. Why? Because this was the first mitzvah that he was involved in, so he's considered a chasan for that mitzvah. But either which way, whoever was in danger, Moshe Rabbeinu or his son, we see from here how great the mitzvah Mila is. We're going to stop here for the day, pick up tomorrow, continue to talk about the story of Moshe Rabbeinu and the Mila of his son. For now, everyone should have a wonderful day.